Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. So it's all part of the economic picture, and we've talked a lot about the economy and the economies of the world, challenged at this time in particular. Interest rates in this country going up, interest rates in the United States going up uh, 0.75% the Fed last week. Canada's uh, banks, the Bank of Canada, has said it's going to raise interest rates as well. Inflation, we know, is at a 40-year high. And uh, we talked earlier in the program, took some phone calls from folks about Canadians finding themselves in financial difficulty. 57% of us saying we're within 200 bucks of not being able to pay the bills at the end of the month. And 40% of Canadians saying that if interest rates climb, well, maybe bankruptcy is the next step. And one in four Canadians saying that if interest rates climb, they may be forced to sell their homes. That's the reality. That's where we are. So with all of this turmoil and all this gurgitating of uh, economic information, I started to, because I'm, I'm a history buff, so I started to pay attention, look back to 1929 and the great stock market crash in the uh, United States. There were three days in particular that in October of 1929 that um, that precipitated or that really led what went on. Uh, one was October 24th, then came October the 28th and October the 29th. We're going to talk about this with Professor Richard Silla, Professor Emeritus of Economics and former professor in the history of financial institutions and markets at New York University, Stern School of Business. He also teaches courses in financial history. Professor Silla, thank you very much for coming on the program. I, I, I find, uh, I, I find talking about the, the stock market crash to be simultaneously invigorating and terrifying. Well, I think I, we haven't had a, a real crash yet. I guess we're in a bear market now, but uh, that doesn't mean we won't have a crash. Uh, there, there's sort of a crash going on in cryptocurrencies. Uh, which have lost a huge amount of their value, but so far uh, we're just we just made it to a bear market uh, very recently in the U.S. Right. Does anything in the economies of the world, and particularly in the economy of the United States, ring sufficiently loud alarm bells for you that the D word and not just the R word come to mind? Well, I don't think the, I think there are some similarities to the 1920s uh, in the sense that there were a lot of captivating new technologies in the 1920s, uh, one of which is the one we're using right now, radio. Uh, radio seems old hat today, but it was very new stuff and very exciting in the 1920s. And one of the really hot stocks was the Radio Corporation of America. But you also had uh, the automobile business becoming very big. Uh, it didn't start in the 20s, but the 1920s was when most Americans uh, managed to get a car. Um, then you had airplanes, of course, the aviation uh, industry was coming and the air airlines were uh, beginning to be established around then. Um, movies, the entertainment, you know, we were moving from silent movies to uh, talkie movies at the end of the 20s. So there was a lot of new technology. Uh, you had business friendly governments in Washington. I suppose we wouldn't, uh, businesses wouldn't say President Biden's all that friendly, but certainly Presidents uh, Harding, Coolidge, and Hoover were business friendly. Uh, the technology sparked a lot of speculation. The, the market got to a, a very high valuations, probably exceeded only by 1999, 2000, the dot-com 
era. And right. uh, today, when we had such low interest rates fueling uh, very high valuations in our stock market. So there were certain similarities, but there were certain differences too. I think the United States was on top of the world in the 1920s uh, as a result of uh, World War One. You know, we'd become, went from being the world's largest debtor nation to the world's largest creditor nation. Uh, the uh, capital markets, the, you know, the center of world finance was shifting from London to New York. Um, and uh, uh, so I think that the Americans were really, really feeling good in the 1920s. Uh, uh, today, I wouldn't say Americans are feeling so good about their place in the world. So that that's kind of a big difference, I'd say. Yeah. 1920s, as well as I understand it, was a time when there was tremendous enthusiasm for the stock market and millions of people, maybe I'm overstating the number, but there were significant numbers of people who didn't have the money to really invest in the stock market. So they went to the banks and they borrowed money to buy stocks and they didn't have really enough money to down for the proper down payment or to guarantee their, their loans. And so they, they borrowed this money, they bought stocks. And when it all came apart, um, so did the banks. Am I right about that? Well, I think you're you're partly right. I think that uh, you know a lot of Americans did have money in the 1920s, and and uh, uh, they also borrowed money to buy stocks. You know, you could invest all your own money, and then you could borrow money to uh, leverage yourself in the hope that the market would go up. And there was a lot of that going on in the 1920s. Uh, again, World War One was a factor because the U.S. government sold a lot of bonds in World War One uh, to finance the war, and in the 1920s they began to pay back some of those bonds, but but the fact that the government had borrowed so much in the 1914 and 1918 war meant that Americans were many more of them were used to paper investments. And Wall Street took advantage of that by selling both a lot of bonds and a lot of stocks to these very same people in the 1920s. So it was sort of a new era for investment. Uh, some people, no doubt, uh, then and now, uh, uh, got in too deep, you know, borrowed money when they didn't really have it. Uh, of course, the stock served as collateral until they went down, and then they led to margin calls. So, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, the, the, I wouldn't blame it on uh, naive people getting into the stock market in the 1920s. A, a lot of sophisticated people uh, got swept up by the, the boom years okay. of the, the 1920s. I want to ask you about those three particular days, October 24th, 28th, and 29th. And, and I'm going to do it after we take a quick break. But just before we take the, the break, Professor Seller, at the end of September 1929, at the beginning of October, first week of October uh, 1929, was there any real sense of what was about to happen? Uh, some people forecast it. There was a man named Roger Babson who took a look at the speculation and the high valuations, and he said a, a crash is probably right around the corner. But on the other hand, Professor Irving Fisher, uh, America, uh, one of America's greatest economists then or ever, uh, from Yale, uh, at around the same time, said he thought stocks had reached a permanently high plateau. So then, as almost always, there's disagreement about where the stock market's headed. But there were people warning. And the one big point to make is that at the beginning of September, the Federal Reserve worried about speculation. So in September 1929, they raised interest rates. And of course, the crash came a month and a half later. Professor Silla, here we are, last week of October 1929. What happened on those three days, beginning with October the 24th? 
October 24th, sometimes called Black Thursday, was a day where the market took a big fall in the morning, something like 10% down. Uh, what's interesting about that day is that when the, the leaders of the New York financial community got together and seeing this market going down and they hatched a plan, uh, sort of the, the bankers pooled their funds and they sent the head of the stock exchange, a man named Richard Whitney, onto the floor of the exchange on the afternoon of October 24th. And he began to buy stocks at prices above uh, the lows that they'd reached. And this sort of turned it around. And uh, so the market went down a lot in the morning. It came roaring back in the afternoon when the bankers tried to stop the decline. And uh, the, the close for the day was not very different from what had been uh, the day before. But uh, we're certainly a large decline in the morning. The next day, New York newspaper said the uh, uh, stock market crisis over. Uh, uh, and that was really a bad call because uh, that was uh, October 25th. And uh, uh, then on, over the weekend, uh, st stocks stabilized. Uh, they, were, they traded on Saturdays then. But uh, Monday and Tuesday, October 28th and October 29th, the market fell a little more than 10% each of those days. And that's what we call the great crash of 1929. So uh, Tuesday the 28th and Wednesday the 29th, 10% each day. So that's a 20% drop over two days. I think, it was, I think it was Monday and Tuesday, not Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. Well, Monday and Tuesday, October 24, 28, and 29. So there's a 20% drop on those two days added to the drop in uh, on, on, uh, on the 24th. So were the underpinnings just gone? I mean, was that just a total collapse? Uh, what happened? What happened on the on the thirtieth? Uh, I think there may have been a slight recovery, but the main point to make for is a matter of history is that uh, over the next couple of weeks, the market tended to go down even more. It didn't reach a bottom till I don't know, you know, sort of toward the middle of, of November, uh, November 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there, the market reached a bottom, and at that point. The Dow Jones average, which had been 380 uh, at the height of the market in uh, August 1929, uh, it, before the crash, it was down to around 300. And by the middle of November, it was down to 199. So you'd gone from 380 on the Dow in early September down to uh, 199. Your stocks lost uh, almost half of their value uh, in that particular period. Okay. So there are many myths that go along with the stock market crash. I don't know how to, where to separate the truth from, uh, from the myths, fact from fiction. But one of the things I've heard, we've all heard, is that millions of people lost everything, that that was it and, it, and it spawned the Great Depression. I understand from, and I've read some of your writings, I understand that the stock market crash didn't really spawn the Great Depression, but what about, can you talk to us about that? And did millions of people just lose everything? I don't think millions of people lost everything, but those who had leveraged themselves, and that, that was one of the real problems, that the people got so agog about the stock market that they not only invested their own money, but they borrowed money from banks and non-banks, and there was a huge amount of margin debt. Uh, so uh, people who were fairly well-to-do uh, got on the wrong side of it and lost a lot of money because they got margin calls and they were sold out and so on. So, uh, I, I, you know, but it was it was bad, but what, what people often ignore, and this is the point I've been making, uh, is that uh, the rally uh, uh, took place after the middle of November and by the middle of April 1930, Good Friday 1930 was around mid-April, the stock market had really gained back 
almost all the ground it had lost in the crash proper, namely the period from uh, October 24th to mid-November. It went down from 300 to 199 then, and it was back right around 300 in April 1930. And the New York Times then, on the Good Friday edition, said that uh, uh, it it didn't talk about the Great Crash of 1929. It talked about the disturbance in the market last fall. And the idea was that the markets were no longer disturbed. So it's things that happened after the middle of 1930 that really led to the Depression. And so that had more those? to do with banks than the stock market. Okay, what were some of the things that led to the Great Depression? And just how bad was it? Uh, well, it was pretty bad. Uh, you know, uh, Basically, some banks began to fail late. The, the U.S. was in a recession. Admittedly, it was in a recession uh, starting in 1929, going into 1930. But it could have been, you know, there have been a lot of recessions in history, and that might have been an ordinary one. What really happened toward the end of 1930 is there were widespread bank failures. And then the bank failures continued into 1931, and the economy, as the banks were failing, uh, the economy of the U.S. sort of slipped from recession into depression. And things were going on in Europe. You know, uh, there were a big bank in Austria failed in May. The Germans uh, uh, went off the gold standard in July. Britain went off the gold standard in September. And that led to a run on U.S. gold, which in this very bad economic situation, you know, a really bad recession, the Federal Reserve, and, uh, after Britain went off gold, raised its rates from 1.5% to 3.5%. That's not what we economists say a central bank should do when the bottom's falling out of the economy. The last thing you want to do is raise interest rates, but the Fed, trying to protect the American gold stock, decided to more than double interest rates in October 1929. I mean, in October of 1930 and uh, 31. Excuse me, I'm getting my years mixed up. October 1931, in response to Britain going off gold in September, the U.S. Fed raised more than doubled its policy rate. And that made 1932 the worst year in U.S. history with about 25 percent unemployment. Prices were down 30, 40 percent. And when prices went down like that, the farmers had a hard time repaying their debts to the banks. And a lot of other people had borrowed from banks uh, when they lost their jobs or or whatever they sold went down in value, they couldn't repay their loans. So you had uh, bank failures continuing right into early 1933. Uh, I say the bank failures is what caused the depression to be so bad, not the stock market crash. We have about 30 seconds. Is there a cautionary tale being told today by you about the situation today? Do we do we need to learn something from what happened in 1929 and the 1930s, given the situation today? Well, I do think we have learned a lot. You know, Ben Bernanke said he learned a lot by studying the Depression, and uh, he wasn't going to have another one. So when he was head of the Fed about 10 years ago, uh, they uh, responded to the 2008-2009 crisis by adding a lot of liquidity, not raising interest rates. They pushed interest rates down. what got us in what made that world financial crisis so bad about a little over 12 years ago was that the banks got into trouble uh right now i would say the banks are fairly solid and so even if the stock market goes down uh we don't really have to worry about another uh, worldwide financial crisis if you want to hear more subscribe to the roy green show on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify stitcher or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.